Jones won't but possibly wish for. He's fixed it on with a six. Magnificent innings. That's out. Yes, it's all over this time. The thrillers joy. Pakistan win the World Cup. Great century. Fantastic batsman. This will be out, surely. There's the hundred for Ricky Ponting. Yes. Tony finishes off and stuff. Australia, champions of the world. Hello and welcome to the Dilip Ram All-Rounder podcast. It's 20th January, it's around 2pm. Got a big episode for you all today. We are looking at cricket and the 2019 Cricket World Cup final played at the Lords between England and New Zealand. A first time final for two teams that had never won a World Cup final before. So it's going to be a great episode. We're going to look at the context, why that game was memorable at the start, some of the media lines at the start, the rise of England as a force in ODI cricket and what were some of the reasons for that. We have some interesting insights on that. We're going to look at hot seats, some of the topical issues that were leading up to that World Cup. There were a few issues going on at the time, so we thought we'd look back and really deep, do a deep dive into that. And we also came up with a list, it's halfway through hot seat, with our top five greatest World Cup players of all time, including batsmen and bowlers. So stick around for that list. Let us know if you agree or disagree. Look back at some of the best moments, some would you believe that, some weird and wacky stats, and then stick around at the end because at the end, what I'm doing this season is it's going to be an observational analysis or discussion and sometimes a debate about some of the modern issues that are being faced in that sport. So we are going to be looking at some of the key issues that are affecting cricket at the moment, test cricket, what's our view on the future of the game, what can be done to fix the game. You really want to stick around for that. And that's what we're going to do at the end of this episode. Virosh Pulagasundram is my guest today. He's extremely eloquent. He is a lawyer, a very talented lawyer, but a better friend. And I'm very pleased and proud to welcome him to the show. Yeah, Dil, uh, stoked to be back. It's It's been a few months <laughs> since we last spoke. Actually, um, I was... Uh, so people obviously who may not know what like may not know Sydney, but like I live in the inner west of Sydney, right in Croydon, and I was um, driving here, and to drive to Dill's place, you got I got to cut through Dremoyne, and I was driving through Dremoyne, and I drove past Dremoyne Oval, which is like this beautiful oval with like a view of the ocean, or well, not the ocean, but the water, and I was like. Fuck miss grade cricket <laughs> bro i wish i was out there like there are two things that i miss like that i like obviously other than people but like two things are like grade cricket or like cricket like grade or shyest cricket and uh london and uh today's topic is uh it's gonna it's gonna intertwine both i wasn't what i was just watching youtube videos of grade cricketers <laughs> i think there was a clip of like first grade cricket in sydney and they were showing highlights of people batting and i was just thinking Man, we were do like we obviously weren't playing first grade yeah, cricket yeah, yeah. In, in Sydney, but you watch it and you think you wish you're out there. You know, it's crazy now. Like in grade, so back when I played, like yeah, you play and uh, and you know maybe people in your own club know how well you did, or if you did exceptionally well, like you you they'd be like your name would be published in the paper. But now, um, like every like in most most Saturdays, 
every grade they stream every like every like every game so like people can actually like watch you play they know exactly how you went like it must be it must be so much easier to like plan yeah and it's that's the digital age though so people just want i'm old old school bro i'm old school but like um but it's not bad if you had a good innings then it's it's available you you can watch my watch my hundred Um, no, it's lit. It's good. It's I good. wouldn't mind that for, if we ever if we ever play for Rydalmere again. <laughs> bro, I'll tell you right now, Rydalmere Ren's not getting streaming service. <laughs> but I can tell you how difficult it was to get people in our own team to buddy pay the club fees. So yeah, uh, I'm anyway. with you. I'm with you. You did you did call it. We are talking about the 2019 Cricket World Cup final. Reading what a few people were talking were saying about it, and a couple of things stood out to me. Um, a journalist, Vic Marks, he called it the most astonishing, fortuitous, preposterous climax to any cricket match he'd witnessed, let alone a World Cup final. Harsha Bogle said it was the greatest final you'd ever see. It was a it was a weird and very interesting World Cup. It started with uh, Imran Tahir opening the bowling for South Africa. Oh yeah, yeah. Against England and taking, um, yeah. I think he got best. Yeah, he second did. ball of the innings. He did, he did, he did. And it finishes off with Jason Roy throwing, running out Martin Guptill yeah. in the final to to yep. win it. The final itself, classic ODI final that probably belonged to the eighties or nineties with the scores. Yeah, but you see, this is this is what I love, right? Because I always think a game of like. I know it's 240 plays 240, but I always think like a game of around like 250 playing 250 is more exciting than like 400 playing like 370. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like you want to see an even contest between bat and ball. It's not 2020 cricket. So yeah, I see what you're saying. Like with the scores, yeah. But, but the thing is, I always feel like with a final, like you got to add like 20 or 30 runs mm. to the score especially if you're chasing because of the pressure, like the magnitude of the occasion. When you play in a final, you almost, the pressure gets to you, you run slow down. They always talk about it in basketball as well. The game slows and you don't score as much. And in cricket, you get nervous, tighten up. You, you, you're not going to play with the same free flow that you usually play with. So yeah. 240 might've felt, as you say, like 275 yeah, or I reckon, 280. I reckon to England, it felt like 270, 275. Like it kind of felt like, like you're walking down the corridor and like the corridor just keeps going and you're yeah. like, I, I think I'm there. Oh, wait, I'm not there. And it was like, it was, it was one of the, to be honest, like we'll get into it, I guess. But like the first innings Homer watching was like pretty like mundane. Oh, no, no, no. Mundane is like the wrong word, but like. I don't remember anything from the first innings. <laughs> like the first innings is like, well, I remember Kane Williamson getting out because yeah. I was like, oh, bro, he has to get like a big score. Because yeah. um, when I, like, I remember getting up that morning. So I was, um. I remember getting up that morning because I was living in London at the time. Um, was it a day match in London? Day match. Yeah. So like, so like they're pretty much all, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure You're they're right. all day matches. Because yeah. like in summer in London, like the sun's up to like 9, 9.30. So like you don't need to play day night game. Um, and or put it this way, like there's no point kind of. Um, and well, there's so many good things about London in summer, like... Pubs are overflowing, like restaurants are, well, restaurants are always full, but like, yeah. um, the parks are packed, like people are sunbathing. Like it's, it's like, it's like all these people who are like depressed for like eight months are like suddenly like yeah. exuberant for like three or four months. Anyway, but July is an awesome month because, um, summer of cricket, Wimbledon and Silverstone. Mm-hmm. So it's like just an epic time of the year in London. And that year was awesome because you had, uh, 50 over world cup, like England were hot favorites 
Uh, you had Lewis Hamilton, peak of his powers. I think he wins Silverstone. Mm. I think he wins Silverstone that year. I think so, 2019. Mm. And then you had on the men's side at Wimbledon, like a pretty strong draw. Djokovic defending champion. Federer and Nadal have great seasons as well. Great grass court seasons. And Djokovic beats Federer in that fifth set tie break. Yeah. It happens on the same day as this game, as this, as this World Cup Ridiculous. final. It's just actually insane that so much was happening that weekend. Um, anyway, but the point is, is um, I remember getting up that morning looking outside and I was like, it was pretty gloomy. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's ooh, it's probably going to like, if it stays like this, this ball's probably going to like nip around a little bit. And they delayed the toss. Yeah, they did. They did. For a bit of rain. Yeah, because of the rain. Yeah. Um, and obviously it must have rained when I was having a shower or something because I can't remember <laughs> raining. <laughs> but but, um, but um, I remember like they showed the pitch. I can't remember who did the pitch report, but, and I was like, oh, I reckon like 270, Like as in, I thought... Like when New Zealand were batting first, they'd have to get around 270, 280 to challenge England. Because England, like, as you know, like we they were used to scoring between 350, 400. Like that yeah. wasn't outlandish for them in the no. four years leading up to that World Cup. And they'd showed it throughout that World Cup that they, yeah. they, they had a few scores yeah. where you weren't going to chase it down because it was well above, 100%. north of 300. 100%. So I was yeah. like, okay, if NZ batting, they need about 270, 280. Ross Taylor reckoned they needed 250. 250. Yeah, he, yeah, that's what he said. So like they were 10 it. short. And he's probably right. Yeah, he's, he's probably right, right at the end of the day. He's probably right. That's why he's an international cricketer and I'm here on this podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, but uh, yeah, no, nah, and then... Um, well, can I ask then, yeah. why would you call it memorable? It's memorable because of the, uh, the result, obviously. It was like the only World Cup final, which was a tie, and the Super Over was a tie. Um... And then it's memorable because of that stupid rule which they yeah. implemented to determine who the winner was um, and who the runner-up was, which was that boundary countback rule. Mm. England hit more boundaries, so they won the World Cup, which was a stupid rule, which they've since got rid of. And now you just would play, you just keep playing a super over until you get a winner, which I think is the yeah. right way to go about it. Because I have to be honest, the obviously we're t- that final between England and New Zealand, it I don't think it was the final that a lot of people expected. I mean, India, India should yeah. have been, frankly, India should have been there. Like that, as in, when I say it should have been there, I'm not saying that England and New Zealand didn't deserve to be there. What I mean is like India had a very strong team. They dominated the group stage. I think they only lost to England, I think, from memory Correct. in yeah. the group stage. Um, and um, England had to win that game. They were on yeah. the brink of being eliminated. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so like I thought it was going to be England-India to be honest. Yeah. And then, but as the tournament was progressing, I thought Australia might make it. True. Because Australia were playing well and England were choking, frankly. And and Pakistan seemed to be <laughs> yeah, winning Yeah, that's last right. Year. I remember, sorry, I 100% remember this. Yeah. I was, and I remember all the papers, oh no, sorry, I shouldn't say all the papers. Like some of the articles in the papers were talking about how like Pakistan's tournament was synonymous with their World Cup win in 92. 92. And so they Anytime like, Pakistan loses a few games, they, <laughs> it's, but you remember 92? <laughs> remember, remember Imran in 92? It's like Imran's not in this team. <laughs> Wasim Akram and Inzamam are not in this team. <laughs> but um, but NZ, NZ were almost didn't make the semis. Like yeah. they were literally one meter from not making the semis. They Pretty played close. a game against the West Indies and Carlos Brathwaite was teeing off. I think he scored a hundred and he gets caught on the boundary and West Indies lose by five runs. If he hits the ball like a meter or it has a bit more height on it or he has a, a meter on it, it's six. New Zealand lose and I think I think Pakistan may have gone through to the semis. Yeah. Well, it's ironic <clears throat> because um, 
Brathwaite does score 100, but he gets caught on the boundary by Bolt. I know, I know. Who, uh, <laughs> who took another catch in the final, know, which we can man. get to. I watched both of those catches live. Anyway, yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, and speaking about like why it's memorable, personally, I think I didn't, f- I remember not being that interested in oh, this you're final. you're killing me, you're killing me. And the me. reason I was not that interested. Time difference? Uh, this is, no, not, <laughs> not just time difference, but was, I think I was disappointed that, I felt as if New Zealand didn't deserve to be there. I, I thought their team was incredibly weak before the final. I thought they had a pretty brittle batting lineup. And they relied on Kane a lot. A lot yeah. on Kane Williamson. And their, because Martin Gupta wasn't informed. No, no. And their bowling was good, but um, I didn't think it was anything to write home about. Dude, their bowling was pretty good, man. Yeah. I mean, Trent Bolt and Henry, uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, I don't remember where I was for that final. I think I was at home just watching Bro, it, probably watching sleeping. at home. You're probably um, sleeping. It's one of those games that has a number of moments that in isolation would be very rare, but for it to all happen at one time, at in one game and to, and all in favor of one team. I know, I know. It, it really <clears throat> makes you think like, what more does New Zealand need to do to- To win the World Cup. To win, to yeah, win a World yeah. Cup. Because if you can't win that, <laughs> yeah, that you're never going to win another World Cup. Bro, the odds, yeah, they, they, they got screwed over there a little bit. Like, um, <clears throat> especially given that in 2015, they had a great tournament except for the final when Australia beat them like comprehensively. Mm. But they went through that tournament undefeated. 2019, you're right. Bit, bit of an up and down tournament. Like they, they almost lost to the West Indies, who really, you know, they, they should have beaten them yeah. comfortably. Um, and then they lost comprehensively to teams like Australia and England in the in the round robin stage. Um, but the thing with with NZ is, <clears throat> I love NZ because they got a population of like five million people, or maybe maybe six now. I don't know. Um, cricket is not their number one sport. Rugby union is their number one sport. Yet. You know, time and time again, they produce a team that gets to the latter stages of these tournaments that competes with the big dogs who have all the money, who have the infrastructure, who have the population uh, numbers in their favor, particularly when you bring India into it. And like they just they just go out there and play like as in you, you, comp- you look at their team against one of the big three on paper, you're like they're outgunned. But just as a team collectively, they bring it together. And they're one of those teams that do all the one percenters, right? Like they're a great fielding side. Uh, they run well between the wickets. You know, all those things you get taught us as a kid. And they just um, they just do it to perfection. And that kind of helps close the gap. But uh, look, England definitely got the rub of the green on the day. But they, they were probably the best team in the four years leading up to that World Cup. Just before I hit that point with New Zealand... Um, and just by their reaction to some of the things, and this is probably one of those comments, it's an armchair comment, you know, you're watching from afar. <laughs> yeah. But I almost felt like they played too nicely in that final. Yeah, and yeah, right. I, they're gentlemen of the sport and everyone views them as, you know, they're the nice guys of the sport. Yep. They're not going to sledge you. Yep. Um, maybe they had some form of, some sort of reputation under previous skippers that they were a bit more hard nosed. Like Fleming was a good skipper. Tactically one of the great skippers. But but I thought it were a bit more aggressive under Fleming. They had a few more aggressive players. McCullum, they were pretty aggressive. McCullum, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um and it's ironic, you know, McCullum 
is now seen as a gentleman of the sport, but he's had his oh, fair mate. share of controversies <laughs> back in the definitely, day. He's definitely breached the spirit of cricket yeah, a few and then times. It's yeah, all yeah. right to like apologize 20 years I know, later. Like, you I didn't it, mean it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At um, the time. Yeah, 100%. So, but just watching them, I thought, you know, when what happened to Stokes, we can talk about when we talk about best moments, when, when that four goes to the boundary, hits his bat. Yeah, yeah. I get the rule. I get all of that. But you almost feel like you should be, you should still complain about it. Like you should still be yeah. saying like, well, I guess they like, just accept everything. Yeah. Like to that, um, it's interesting. So like the point you're talking about is um, it's, the, it's the last over of the innings and England need 15 off six and Stokes is on strike. There's two wickets in hand and Bolt bowls really good, two really good deliveries at the start of the over or like pretty good deliveries up full around the off stump. Stokes hits them, I think both to mid off or around that area. So no dot balls. Yeah. So they're 15 off four. And he smokes unbelievable six over mid-wicket. Um, it's almost like a slog sweep, but off a fast bowler for six. They need nine off three. And then he uh, uh, bolt, I can't remember if it's a good length or a full toss, but essentially Stokes hits it to mid-wicket. And um, they run they run one. Guptill picks up the ball near the boundary, <clears throat> throws it, and they're going for a second run. Stokes dives to make his ground. And whilst diving, the ball, which was thrown by Guptill, hits Stokes's bat, so it ricochets off his bat and then goes down to the boundary. It was actually the uphill part of Lords, but it still went all the way to the boundary. B- a big CDG, Colin de Grandhomme's chasing it. Um, look, I think that ball would have beaten most people, but I just sometimes I think like, imagine if like someone with the pace of a Jadeja or a Warner was chasing it. Yeah. Would, would it have gone to the boundary? Anyway, whatever. Like we, yeah. Um, but anyway, it goes to the boundary and the umpires, specifically Kumar Dharamasena, says that it's worth six because the batsman ran to plus the four, um, plus the four with the ball ricocheting off the bat and going to the boundary. It's actually the wrong decision. Yeah. It should have been five because the rule is like in terms of the runs that have been run, it's, how many runs have been completed at the time the fielder releases the ball when they and throw whether it. they've crossed the exactly yeah and when Guptil released the ball Adil Rashid and Stokes had not crossed for the mm. second run uh, it also tells you how quick Ben Stokes is yeah like bloody like hell. bloody hell like he hasn't even crossed and, and he would have made that run he would have made it he would have yeah. made it he would have made it like if the ball didn't ricochet the bat even if it just bounced over his bat or yeah. you know went on the full like I think he he would have made it but it's more the additional four runs. Yeah. It's like if you didn't, like in the end, like if they just had one run less, like if, if it had been one plus four instead of two plus four, like New Zealand may have won the game. Exactly. Clearly it's one of those moments. It's probably in our best moments, that moment. Yeah, 100%. It's but there. you're right because I think Simon Torfel afterwards said yeah. the it was the wrong implementation of the rule, but I suppose... It's a tough one. You're doing it live. Yeah, but the, the reason I raise that is to your point. You're like, NZ just accept things. Yeah. And like, I wonder whether, like, if it was a different skipper. Like, what if it was India playing? What if it was and- Stephen Fleming captaining? <laughs> he wouldn't have accepted it. Goes again. Can he give the strike away? This is a big moment. They've got to run. They go to the other end. Oh, he gets in the way. This has got to go all the way to the boundary off the bat. Can you believe this? It has. I do not believe what I've just seen. And it will go down as six, and Ben Stokes cannot do anything about it. He can only apologise. 
He didn't do it on purpose. He can't do anything about it. He does apologise. It is signal to six. New Zealand can't believe it. One sort of topic I wanted to explore with you was uh, the England transformation. But I would say that the English World Cup journey commenced after the 2015 World Cup. 100%. Where they, were, they, they really struggled. Um, they were eliminated in the group stages. They made a sort of executive decision at the top to mm. prioritize yeah. the shorter format. 100%. So like what, um, to give you a bit of history to this. So like England, obviously, yeah, everyone knows the English invented cricket or cricket came from England. And um, probably out of all the countries, they are, I would say, the most traditionalist. So they've always prioritized test cricket and even though the first three World Cups were held in England, like they always saw one-day cricket as inferior to Test cricket, like it was, it was like it was almost like they treated it like flippantly, like it was like, oh yeah, like if even if we lose a one-day series, like who cares, kind of thing. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's it's all about the Test series. It's all about the relevant Test series, and so they and they were very old school. Like people would get rewarded for playing well in test cricket and they'd pick them in the one day team. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense because test cricket is a longer formats, five days, obviously one day cricket, like 50 overs, you need to score, you need to score quickly if you're a batsman. And then even as a bowler, like there's just different skill sets um, compared to if you're a test, uh, a test match bowler. So pretty much what happened was in 2015 World Cup, England get knocked out of the group stage, which for England is pretty much like it's a disaster. It's like, it's like, I don't know, like Argentina or Germany or France or one of these guys getting knocked out in the group stage and not going through to the round of 16 in the football, in the FIFA World Cup. And so pretty much they, the new or the, the former England captain, Andrew Strauss is brought in. He's now Sir Andrew Strauss because England won the World Cup in 2019. But, um, and he's, pretty much brought in, I don't know what the name of the position is, but pretty much he's like mm. director of cricket or some, some, something yeah. like that. Some position they make up. Not make up, but like some position. And he's like, oh, we, need to, we need to change the way we think about white ball cricket in this country. It needs to be like almost at the, pretty much at the same level as test cricket. And he's like, one of the things he does is he tells the England guys, like we will leave a window for you to go and play IPL in India which previously they hadn't done. And KP, Kevin Peterson was the only one that really used to go. Um, and he would kind of begrudgingly come back to England, like in the early summer when it was like seven degrees uh, in May and warm up for a test series whilst missing the business end of the IPL and, you know, missing out like on a fair bit of money. A lot of money, yeah. yeah. And so Strauss is like, nah, we're now going to leave a two-month window for the IPL, which is April, May. And we're not going to make our guys come back and play international cricket. We're going to give them the option to play in the IPL. And the idea being that the IPL is where generally the best white ball cricketers in the world converge to play in that 2020 competition in India. That's one thing. And the second thing he does is we're going to, we're going to pick our team based on performance in white ball cricket, whether that's like domestic one-day cricket in England, uh, IPL, T20 Blast, whatever. And that's how we're going to pick our white ball team. And then they put in Owen Morgan as captain. He was captain in 2015 World Cup, but he was given the captaincy like just before that World Cup out of desperation. Mm. Um, but pretty much tells Owen, you'll stay a skipper and you have to kind of run the team and kind of um, not, not uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? But essentially, you know, we, we, we want you to fashion how they kind of want to play. Yeah. And uh, pretty much Owen goes, guys, just go out there, play aggressively. Um, and I'm not going to hold it against you if you get out trying to hit a ball for six over long on and you get caught at deep long on, for yeah. example. Like, I want you to play aggressively. And um, in the four years leading up, they became the number one team in one-day cricket. And they used to absolutely annihilate um, opponents, particularly in England. Yeah. Like Australia got drubbed a couple of times there in the lead up to the World Cup. They did a, I think in 2015, I was reading this article. They, I wouldn't call it an inquiry, but they basically started looking at, they said, why are we not performing in World Cup cricket? We haven't won a World Cup yet. Bro, what's hate, what's happened? I hate these inquiries. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> well, Pakistan has one every year, but um, yeah. th- but this one clearly worked because yeah. what they found out was yeah. they they researched what makes a successful World Cup cricket team, and their results indicated it was three things: it was batting depth, winning record, and it was experience. And those were the three things that came up. They were the three key terms okay. that they said. A successful World Cup cricket team has these three things. So they said, okay, how are we going to get that? In winning the fo- record. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, so yeah. In, uh, like is winning that, record is- coming up to the um, World yeah, Cup. Yeah, okay. That's truly that's obvious. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so <laughs> yeah, what yeah. they did was oh, they, yeah. between 2015 and 2019, I think they played 90 ODI games. Yeah, right. That's Close a lot. to 90. Yeah, right. And they had a strong focus on deep a deep batting lineup. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, Morgan basically told uh, like what you said but Morgan had told the openers uh, Roy and Hales and others that rather than focus on whether you know rather than trying to score to secure your spot in the team if you promise me you will just play aggressively at all times you've I won't look at your position for the entire year Mm. you've got the whole year as long as you prioritize attack yeah then don't worry about your spot in the team That's for great. the whole year. That's great captaincy, back and, your boys. And yeah. it it showed because that was um, in the years between 2015 and 2019, I don't think England had ever scored more than 400 or like yeah. were regularly scoring above 350 and that's what they started to do. Yeah. They also prioritized diversity um, and diversity by diversity, I mean diversity in spin and pace and yep. also in yep. their team. So someone like Adil Rashid, who wasn't known to be a fl- like a... Uh, a, a mainstay in that team mm. suddenly became the most important player yep. in the English cricket setup. In those 91 days, he played 83. Whew. Actually, that's a good point because um, the bowling as well. Because I remember back in the day, like the late 90s, early 2000s, England would pick all these like these bits and what I call bits and pieces cricketers. Yeah. Mark like they, Elam. Mark, oh, I was about to, Mark Elam was my first guy. He's like five foot five. I'm like, bro, how did this, this guy would not pass the yo-yo test yeah. in today's environment, right? <laughs> Big Elam, traveling in at 120 Ks. Ronnie Arani, you're yeah. Ronnie Arani. Ronnie Arani. And I was like, bro, how are these guys international cricketers? Like yeah. the keepers up to the stumps here to the, to the, anyway, to one of your like main bowlers. And um, I reckon... And that was like the classic England conservative approach. Uh, they're like, oh, we'll pick these like seamers that probably in English conditions are like dibbly dobbly bowlers. They'll pick up wickets. But to your point, like Morgan's like, nah, we need a variety. We need some spin. We need some express fast bowlers mm. who are wicket takers. That's where like the selection of Mark Wood comes in. And Joff, Archer. And Archer yeah. in, the, in the lead up to the World Cup. And then 
another thing that Owen Morgan said is, I wanted a left arm, ideally, a left arm bowler that could swing the ball, which is where David Willey came in. But David Willey doesn't end up making the squad because he has to make way for Jofra. When you look back at that World Cup, there were a number of players that like really shone through and um, yeah. played very well. It was probably the World Cup, as you said, you called it. Braithwa- Brathwaite had a... Yeah. He had a majestic innings. Um, he yes, had that yeah. famous 2020 knock. Yeah. This was an ODI knock that yeah. um, put him on the world stage. You had Dave Warner, multiple 150s. Yeah, yeah. Warner played well. Warner played well, but... Um, and Shaqib. Yeah, Shaqib actually could have been out of the tournament. He should have. He, yeah. Nobody, he scored 500 runs and, and took 10 wickets. wickets. I know, yeah. But the thing is, is, I think Kane, they gave it to Kane, combination of batting and captaincy. Because Kane, you've got to look at it this way, right? Kane carried that team in a lot of their matches. I remember watching a chase against South Africa in that World Cup. NZ were chasing like, I can't remember, 240, 250, something like that. NZ should have lost. I think Kane made 110 not out or 105 not out. Pretty much got them over the line. That's just one example of how he just carried them for in a couple of matches. So I think like, and always in a low scoring match, like 100 is worth more than a high scoring match. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know, but... But it got me thinking, Virash, and I wonder whether we do it now <laughs> or we do it later, but let's do it now because I was looking at Shakib, I was looking at all these performances and yeah. thinking, oh, these are some great performances. Like, who's the greatest World Cup cricketer? Ah, here we go. <laughs> um, and it's a subjective list. I asked you to have a think about it. Yeah, you did before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when I think about it, I'm, I, I've excluded any performances that are outside the World Cup. My five, Tendulkar, Ponting, yep. Richards, yep. Viv Richards, yep. Wazir Makram, and Glenn McGrath. Okay, so um, yeah, that's good. Look, man, I think I think I agree with a lot of yours. Um, I think Sachin's got to be there. Scored more than 2,000 runs in the World Cup. Man of the tournament in 03 and won a World Cup in 11. And actually, even though he didn't make runs in that 2011 World Cup, like he got, he got like runs in other games in that World Cup. So I got Sachin. I'm with you on Viv. 100%. Viv was like ahead of his time. Yeah. Viv scored like a thousand runs in World Cup cricket at like 63. And like, you know, I know it's not the... It's 63, not the, yeah. Yeah. Like that's like lit. Anyone two World Cups got a World Cup uh, 100 in a final. Sorry, got a 100 in a World Cup final. 100% deserves to be there. 75, 79 and 83. Yeah. They're in the final. I know, I know. And actually he gets 33 off 28 in the 83 final. If yeah. couple doesn't take that catch, Windy's probably win that game. Or oh, m- maybe, maybe they're chasing, win that they're chasing like 180. 180. <laughs> yeah. Like if Viv bats for another half an hour, West Indies win. It's game over. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, Viv was a gun. Uh, mm. 100% agree with McGrath. So you, you agree with Ponting? I, well, I'll come, I'll come okay. to Ponting. 100% agree with McGrath. 71 wickets like, in World Cups. Man of the tournament in 07. Yes. And also the thing is with McGrath is he wins three World Cups. And in all the knockout games, like 99, 03, 07 that I've seen, even if he doesn't have like an exceptional performance, he never lets you down. No. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have a game where it's like none for 70 off 10. Yeah, that's, that's unheard of. <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? So he's like, he's got to be shocking there. that it never happens. <laughs> like it never happens. Like, like um, for him, a disappointment is zero for forty-seven. <laughs> yeah, You'd say, what happened to McGrath? You're like, you're like, he had an off day. <laughs> it's like, Pidge, what the hell was going on, bro? Um, and then, so I got, I got, I'm with you there. So you got Tendulkar, Richards, Richards and, and McGrath. McGrath. Okay. So Pana, look, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm with you with Pana. Um, we need to give credit to two World Cups. Yeah, and he was skipper. No, three. 
Uh, he won three World Cups. No, no, you're right. He won yeah. three World Cups to a skipper. And um, you got to remember, 03, he win. That's the one where they um, they beat India in the final. Shane Warne is in that squad. Then he's is kicked out of the squad because yeah. he tests positive to diuretics or whatever. His mum gave it to him. Yeah, his mum gave it to him. Um, and uh, and so Ponting's like, he's literally, he's lost his best bowler on the eve of the, of the World Cup. They bring in Hoggy. And so you got to give credit to Ponting. Scores 100 in that final, like big game. And I, so I feel like his captaincy, uh, you know, kind of adds to his batting. And he's a great fielder, phenomenal fielder. Yeah. Um, so he's got to be in there. Uh, where we differ is Wazim had a great 92 World Cup. Uh, even in 99, he was pretty good, actually. But for me, the fifth guy I put in there is actually Warney. Okay. Uh, so aggressive, aggressive, aggressive move. So let me, hear me out. Warney only played two World Cups, yeah. 96, 99. Yeah. And uh, like he, he takes, <laughs> I think he only took like 30-odd wickets. Like he takes like half the wickets Morley takes in World Cups. But big game player. Uh, so what, in my head, it's 100% agree with you. You can only judge it based on World Cups, but I give more weight to like semifinals and finals. So I'm like Warney, 99, semifinal and final delivered and 96 semifinal, semifinal. delivered. Yeah. So only 96 final, he was, the Jew came yeah. into it. But um, so I got Warney in my top five. I like it. Um, yeah. it it's tough because we're splitting hairs here um, about who's the best. And I, I think- if you had a top five list, it's always nice to have a spinner there. Got it. Got to have a spinner. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to cavil with um, having one. I love that. Having one there, but <laughs> what I think was him, I give him a. a I just think left arm yeah, one, win like is a big reason for winning in '92. A oh, huge. And '99, arguably, they're, they're so close to winning. They dominate that World Cup. Oh, like they get smashed in the final, but like yeah, they they yeah. play some really good cricket. Like. Yeah, I don't know what happened in the final. So it's, it's a shame, that. but um, it is what it is. So I just thought we'd do a quick list. We'll take a quick break and then I want to uh, do hot seat and best moments with you and then oh. get into some Embrace Debate topics. Outside edge, running up the hill. They can push for three because Butler's very quick. Stokes is out on his feet, but he'll make it. Just a single. Gap, is it? Yes, it is. Just the one. It's a perfect Yorker. They've got to push for two. He lost it in the sun. Nichols lost it in the sun. They'll get two. Last ball, Butler. He gets it in a gap. He gets a boundary. 15 off the super over. Hot seat, Virosh. Um, I had a couple. Yeah. Here in hot seat. Go for uh, it. The first I had was no reserve days in this World Cup. And oh. I put that on the hot seat because nowadays we, even this 2023 World Cup, or yeah. most World Cups, we always have reserve days. If the game's affected by weather, people know they can come back the next day. It's yeah. not just going to... Uh, it's not just going to go into the VSO get abandoned. But 2019, the administrators said it would be too difficult to have reserve Dude, days. That's balls. I didn't know that. That's ballsy in yeah. England as well. Yeah. Where it like rains half the time. So ICC, Jeez. the chief executive, uh, Dave Richardson, he said that trying to include reserve days would quote, significantly increase the length of the tournament and practically would be extremely complex to deliver. 
Okay. Well, and I don't, I don't really buy I, into that. I think they're more complex <laughs> to, deliver, to deliver, Dave, but thanks for that. And <laughs> it comes to play a part because you, I think there was a seven-day stretch where four games were rained off and yeah, complaints, right. complaints were obviously made about the lack of reserve days. Mm. And I just think if you're playing in England, that was one aspect of the World Cup that I thought was quite unfair to certain teams. Yeah. Um, where had they played, it might have affected the net run rate, might have affected the points. Ultimately, we had a, um, come to my second hot seat, but we had a situation where we had two teams on the same number of points. Yeah, NZ and Pakistan, right? NZ and Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, a couple of other teams had games where, you know, had they won, yeah. it, might have, it might have changed things around. Mm, so the mm. second thing I had is the point system. Yeah. I had a big issue with the point system and I still have a big issue with it in the 2023 World Cup. Interesting, okay. The top four teams from the group stage progress to the knockout stage, but if you were tied on points and the number of points, you would differentiate it based on your net run rate. Yeah, so should we kind of yeah. briefly, like, so like net run rate's pretty much like, it takes into account like how many runs you've scored and wickets you've scored, but also the, the rate at which you score runs. So pretty much like in, from a layman's perspective, if you thrash a team, it's good for your net run rate. If you get smashed, it's bad for your net run rate. So it kind of rewards team. It rewards you if you've lost like some close matches. Yeah. Um, but I guess like you could have like bonus points to deal with that. But anyway, yeah. So that, that that's kind of the basis behind the net run rate. In circumstances where this World Cup format was a league format where each team plays every other team, I felt there needed to be some priority given to the head-to-head result. Uh, now, if you had a head-to-head result, yeah. New Zealand doesn't make it and Pakistan makes it because Pakistan finishes on the same points as New Zealand, they beat New Zealand? and beats New Zealand oh, in the World Cup. That. Yeah, right. And <laughs> I, I felt it, it just didn't make any sense that you have these head-to-head matches hmm. and you then decided on, oh, New Zealand played more aggressively against Afghanistan and, <laughs> and smashed them. Therefore, that, yeah, and yeah. I'm simplifying that and that's not fair. Yeah, New yeah, Zealand yeah. obviously played well throughout the World Cup. But I just thought that was a, I don't think that's a fair way of doing it, particularly when each team plays each other team. If you had a World Cup where maybe you play four games and then you make it into the um, next stage, next stage yeah. then it makes sense to have a net run rate because... Yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah, no, it's a valid, it's a valid point. I never really thought of it like that, to be honest. <laughs> you just make them play like a 2020, <laughs> fight it out. <laughs> no, nah, um... Yeah, that's no, a valid point. Like I, I, I can't, it's hard for me to argue for the net run rate. I guess the playing devil's advocate, like the only thing you can say is, is like net run rate, yeah, looks at your performance holistically in the tournament. And so I guess devil's advocate would say, yeah, but like, you know, net run rate doesn't just look at one or two games, it looks at how you played across the nine games. But I still don't think that's necessarily a convincing argument to override the head-to-head. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's a valid point. I would also make it, it, it would also be easy, to, yeah. easier to follow yes. for, the, for the spectator because they'd be like, well, net run rate, like how does that even calculate? Like I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know the intricacies of how it's calculated. Like I would have to go back to the formula and do the numbers and then yeah. work it out. Um, we just rely on someone saying, oh, you need to hit 400 runs in 20 overs <laughs> yeah. if you want to surpass like, oh, okay. <laughs> the, the net run rate. But yeah. put, put it forward to the ICC. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> they should have been thinking about this, but they didn't because clearly the 2023 World Cup followed the same, <laughs> the, the same system. Yeah, yeah. This is more a post-mortem point, but sure. I think 2019 was, I mark it as the end of 
the importance of ODI cricket. Oh, you're killing me, Dill. You're killing me. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Are you, are you, I get the 2023 World Cup was important. 2023 was good. Put, like people got reminded of 50 over cricket again, pretty much. Um, but after 2019, England basically transitioned from ODI. They, they like, said we won the, the World Cup. Let's win the 2020 now, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think most teams stopped playing. So I, I had that sort of a, as a hot seat that ODI cricket was on the hot seat because that's the last time we actually cared about like an ODI I mean I care but like yeah I guess for a lot of people and I care too but I'm saying the (laughs) yeah yeah I mean Cummins wins a World Cup comes home there's a cameraman at the airport (laughs) yeah that's that is absolute nonsense like it's actually nonsense like um They should be having like ticket take parades. Okay, yeah, like like I'm, 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 that might sound like over the top. Maybe in this economy, a bit a bit aggressive. But um, England had one, didn't but, they? Yeah, but they, England, like you know, they'll it, have like, it for anything. They'll have it for anything. They won yeah. the 05 Ashes, and they were they were drunk at uh, number <laughs> ten Downing Street. So like, um, they'll have it for anything. Also, England don't win as much as Australia, so it's you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough for them. But apparently, global viewership was up like seventy percent. Since for the, for the 2019, since the mm. 2015 World Cup, but I think because it's from a time zone perspective, it's a lot better. It's a lot better for most yeah. countries than playing in Australia, and it's easier to travel to. Let's get into the best moment. This final, and I want to harp on a point that you mentioned. That first innings, I had. There's not a best moment for me in that first innings because I thought it was a fairly ordinary <laughs> oh, right. 240 New Zealand bat. <laughs> they, I think, they score 240. You yeah. think at after that first innings, you think. England should get this. A hundred percent. Like I remember, um, obviously it's a World Cup final and I'm a cricket nut. So I'm like, it's a Sunday. Yeah. So I'm like, get into the living room. I'm like, Pri's like, what are we doing today? I'm like, what do you mean? What are we doing today? Like Pri's my wife. Yeah. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm watching the World Cup final. Also it's Wimbledon. So if this is boring, I'm going to switch to Wimbledon. We had options. <laughs> we had options that day. And I'm not going to lie. I was switching the channel during that 100%. first inning. So anyway, watch, start the, as you said, toss was uh, delayed. I watched the final and Guptal hasn't scored a run or a tournament, can't hit the ball off the square. And he gets off to a bit of a flyer. He scores like he scores 19 off 18, mm. which for him in that tournament is a flyer. Um, High score he, probably. <laughs> he hits Jofra Archer for six over third man. And I'm like, maybe it's maybe it's Guppa's day. Like today's Guppy's day, right? Then he gets pinned by Works LBW Plum. Um, and then I'm like, it's all right. Kane's in. And my thing was, if Kane bats deep, NZ will get around. And as I said before, I thought I thought they needed around 270, 280. I reckon they'll get close. They'll get, they'll get yeah. like, you know, he scores 100. The others bat around him. They get 270, 280. And then free, like Liam Plunkett, that he gets him out, caught yeah. behind. Actually, it was given not out. And, and then they reviewed, they reviewed it. it and it was out. It's like, fuck. And so then at that point, I'm like, Ah, uh, Roscoe's still there. Maybe, maybe like, maybe he'll like, you know, get them up. Then he gets given out LB to Markwood. Ball was going over the top. Doesn't review it. Absolutely insane. And then at that point, I'm like, it's like four for one forty. I'm like, bro, these guys are gonna get like two thirty, two four. Like, as in at that point, I thought like they'll, they'll be lucky to get two fifty. I think Tom Latham plays well, and they only but they only score like sixty in the last ten. Yeah, Joffre bowls well. Um, Did but- it feel a little bit to you like the twenty fifteen final? Where no, well, I just think the Australian bowling was better, which restricted New Zealand to less than 200. Yeah. But I almost felt like, here we go again, New Zealand batting yeah. first in the best conditions. and uh, Arguable. Yeah. Uh, it was like overcast. Like there was a bit in it early, I reckon. Because I looked at that that pitch from obviously from my living room. <laughs> it was not the ground. Um, and it was reminiscent of like, it was a bit better. It was better than the pitch that Australia and England played on in the group game at Lords, yeah. which was a green top as well. 
and um, Australia batted first. Finchie and Warner opened, and they did a great job. They got to the score to like a hundred something for none. But to be frank, England bowled a yard too short. Like they didn't pitch it up enough. And so it looks good on TV. You ball short of length, play it, miss it like, oh, wow. But actually it's like missing the bat by like two feet because you're not pitching it up enough. Um, and so I remember it was, a, it was a weekday and I went down because our, our office has like a, had a food court with like a few TVs. So I went down to watch for like five, 10 minutes and I was like, bro, Australia's going to be lucky to get 150 because it looks yeah. like an absolute green top. Anyway, they got like 270. And also, I think it was 270 something mm. and it was like way too much for England. So my thinking was, but England weren't playing that well at that stage yep. of the World Cup. They were playing better now. So I was thinking, put all those factors together, 270, 280, competitive. But at four for 140, I'm like, I'm not even going to watch. Yeah. So I actually switched it off. I didn't even watch Tom Latham's innings. Mm. He got like, people who batted pretty well. And I went down to the local pub with with pre my wife to the Builders Arms. Um, wow, fantastic battered fish and had a, had a beer. And then at that point, the Wimbledon final was just starting. Djokovic Federer. So I was like, ah, I watch a Wimbledon final in the pub. And um, we were watching that for a little while. And then uh, it was like innings break. I was looking at my phone. I'm like two forty, not enough. They're like they're they're like twenty or thirty short. Not enough boundaries. Not enough boundaries. <laughs> Clearly, not enough boundaries. And I didn't even watch. I didn't even start the watching England bat because I was watching the the, the, the tennis because yeah. it was a lit final, right? And um, you're attacking me for not being that <laughs> interested in this final, and you're watching half of it. I'm watching two of the greatest men's players of all time go at it at Wimbledon, right? And then I'm pretty sure like Federer had like two match points on his serve, and I'm like, oh, to pre Federer's gonna win this. Yeah. Let's let's go. I watch the cricket, and so one minute walk back to our apartment, and. Um, New Zealand have like they've suddenly made inroads into the game. Like Matt Henry gets Jason Roy out early, huge because England relied heavily on Jason Roy to get them off to a yeah. flyer. Roy and Bairstow, God, they were, they were yeah. heavily reliant on them because uh, Morgan actually didn't score runs that that tournament. He got a hundred against Afghanistan, but like, come on, like he's a skipper. <laughs> he was skip, but he's a good skip. Um, but for me, one of the moments was: Do you remember Colin de Grandhomme bowled ten overs for twenty five? 10 overs, one for 25. He makes Joe Root looks like, look like a club batsman. Joe Root can't hit him off the square. He gets seven off 33. And he bowls this Audi to Rudy, <laughs> which is like good length. Root goes for big cover drive, snicks off. Thanks for coming, Joe. And that, that for me was one of the biggest surprises. You wouldn't have picked CDG bowling 10 overs, one for 25. DeGronholm made Chris Harris look like Brett Lee. <laughs> You know, De Grandhomme is uh, Hindol's favorite player. Hindol is one of our mates. Anyway, New Zealand had England in a fair bit of trouble. That the first moment I thought, which was memorable, it was the partnership between Stokes and Butler. Yeah, it's great. But they come in at four for eighty-six. Yeah, and you're yeah. thinking, so I think it's four for eighty-six. It's around twenty, twenty-five overs. So yeah. they're, they're, they haven't batted that quickly. Mm. And I thought the partnership they put on in those middle overs was. Clearly now in hindsight, we can say it was the most important partnership of the match. Yep. But it it brought the game back. They batted pretty aggressively in the circumstances. You can, you know, I could think of other batsmen at that time that might just keep defending and just say, yep. well, last 10 overs, let's just bat. But they play pretty aggressively. They take it to around 190 and they've, they've, got, over, they've got balls in hand. So I thought that was a pretty pivotal moment that um, really signified that English team, which was all about batting depth. Yeah. In fact, when Owen got out, which made it 86 for four, as you said, Tim Southard do a great catch running in from the boundary, mm-hmm. caught it inches on the ground. 
I remember thinking inside in my head before Morgan got out, I'm like, New Zealand just need a wicket here. Yeah. They need, if they get a wicket here, they're on top and they actually might win this thing. Yeah. Uh, and Stokes hadn't scored that. I can't remember if he scored many runs in the tournament going into that final. But yeah, you're right. That big partnership. Game yeah, he's a big game player. And it was actually Butler though, who was the aggressor mm. in that partnership. He scores like 59 off 60 from memory, Correct. almost yeah. run a ball. No one else gets close to that strike rate from either team other than Guptill, but he scores only 19. Um, and so I actually think it was Butler's innings that helped swing the, the momentum towards England and Stokes is supporting him. And there's actually this moment during the final, I can't remember who the bowler is, but Butler hits three twos in the over. So in three consecutive balls, he hits two, two, two. And Lords is going crazy when he does that because the run rate was like pretty, pretty flat um, up to that point. And suddenly the crowd could sense the momentum was shifting. And Lords is a pretty subdued crowd. So like when Lords gets lit, it's like, it's surprising and it's another level. And apparently Stokes had told Butler in the middle at that time, he's like, I've never heard Lords like this. It's funny that um, momentum shifts sometimes not with boundaries, but with mm. good running. Yeah, 100%. Because it, it deflates the, uh, the opposition, the yep. fielding team. When you see it, when you're um, batting against substandard fielding opposition, mm. um, we're going to have to use Pakistan recently in Australia <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it can really deflate a team when you just um, you start taking quick singles or there's a drop catch. So I think that point, that's a, that's a good one. But then Ferguson brings him back in the game because he gets Butler yeah. and Wokes. Is yeah. it the same well, over? They fall pretty quickly. Wokes yeah. scores one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly like maybe ends it. <laughs> They're in trouble. Um, yeah. I had the other moment and I'll call it a best moment, but it's a point that you mentioned. That I think it's 22 off... Uh, 22 off nine they oh, need and it's the it's the six or it's the shot that's hit by hit by stokes mm. i think a 22 off nine with only a few wickets in hand and new zealand are the favorites surely you'd you'd back yeah, new zealand 100 yeah, and and the uh, wild lords is a it's a it's a smaller ground than our australian grounds mm, mm. um it's it's still it's not tiny mm. but stokes hits it bolt catches it but loses his balance and then falls over the line and, and didn't have the the yeah. web, like just didn't have it in his mind to actually chuck it back to Guptil. I think Guptil was there. Guptil was there, yeah, yeah. And it's shocking for me. And the reason why it's shocking is because Bolt is a 2020 specialist. I know, I know. And would have practiced this day in, day out for his IPL team, for his New Zealand team. And it was really shocking that he... It was something that he didn't pick up. It's also earlier, and we touched upon this, in a game against West Indies, he takes a similar catch to get Brathwaite out and his, and his foot is, and he keeps his foot inside the boundary yeah. rope. It was actually like, it was a, yeah, like, yes, the momentum carried him over, but I wouldn't say it was like one of those catches where he absolutely had to step back. You know what I mean? He did. I don't think he did. I think he just lost sight of where the rope was, steps back, like steps on the rope and it's six. And then that, that, I mean, that obviously keeps England in the game. But like, um, well, even if you just drop it, you, if you just chuck it away. If you just away, dropped it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still, what, 21 off eight. Or they, maybe they run two, so 20. Yeah. And it's, it's still, it's, it, the game's completely different. But, but you know, interesting, like Ian Chappell said, because, um, you know, in, the, in obviously the old days, like you didn't have the rope, you had like just the, the fence, yeah. right? And the rule still is, like, if you take a catch, and like, say you rest your, your butt on the fence and you take the catch, it's still out. Yeah. And oh, so, you rest your, yeah, yeah. so his, his view is like, if you touch the rope, 
Like as long as you're not like obviously pushing the rope back, but if you touch the rope with your foot and take the catch, like it still should be out. Interesting. I, I, I don't agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, my, my thing is, is like- um, You shouldn't be able to use something. Yeah, to, interesting. If the, because if the ball touches the rope, it's four. It's, that, that's his thing. He's like, if the ball touches the rope, or if it, sorry, it goes over the rope six, touches the rope four, or if it obviously hits the rope on the full six as well. Yeah. But he's like, if the fielder, even if they are touching the rope, if they prevent the ball from touching it, it shouldn't be four or six. It's an interesting, interesting. one. I don't know. It's it's look. I don't think it's it's not it's it's not going to get up in this batsman centric, no. this batter centric era of cricket. But no way. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the uh, so we obviously had the other moment which we covered, which was the uh, Ben Stokes. Oh yeah. Uh, deflection which goes for four. Um, Stokesy. The only thing I think it was the law that you mentioned. Um, when I Googled it, they said it was law 19.8 oh, of, of, the, of the cricket manual. Yep. Um, and then I think we just have to go to the super over as, yeah, a, yeah. as a moment in itself. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Whatever you think about super overs, it still probably is a nice way to, to, to finish off a game rather than having a tied match. I agree. I agree. 100% agree. And rather than... In, in football, we have extra time, which goes for 30 minutes, and then you have a penalty shootout. Yeah, it's, I feel, it feels a bit long. It's a bit long. It's a bit long. I think uh, this is nice. This is a nice... It's because super over is quite climactic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't kind of elongate the whole process. And um, it was interesting. Like, that's super over. So, obviously, the game is... T- I talked like, Stokes is... I don't know if we spoke about this um, or if we, sp- if, we, if we spoke about it earlier, but, like... Um, Stokes pretty much has the opportunity. It's like it's fifteen off six. He hits the first two balls. Uh, they're dot balls, mm-hmm. and he doesn't take the the single because he's only got Adil Rashid at the other end, who's a bowler. And then he hits bolt for six, so it's nine off three. And uh, then there's that ricochet yeah. off the bat. It's three off two, and he, bolt definitely the second or maybe the last ball was a full toss, which nine times out of 10 Stokes hits over the boundary for six. It's a ridiculous ball. <laughs> but Stokes, he just bunts it for us. He was going for two, but it ends up being a single because um, the last guy's run out. And his mentality is like, if we take it to a super over, we'll win it. And like, instead of like trying to hit, hit the full toss for six and getting caught on the boundary and losing the game, he's like, I'd rather take it to a super over, which is actually... Kind of contrary to the Owen Morgan philosophy, which is like just all out aggression, like just back yourself. Mm. Um, because Morgan actually challenges Stokes when he comes back. He's like, why didn't you just hit that for six? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, back us in the super over. Anyway, and then the super over, uh, England ball first. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, New Zealand ball first. Sorry, sorry, sorry. New Zealand yep. ball first. New Zealand, yep. And Stokes and Butler bat. And I think 100% the two, right? Like I think they were the two correct guys to bat. Stokes has to bat. He has to because he's not out at the end. He's seeing the ball yeah. very well. He knows the conditions. He knows how the pitch is playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good move by Morgan to 100%. keep the, the two best bats in that innings. Yeah. Give them the- 100%. Yeah. And Butler was the most fluent batsman probably of the innings. Yeah. So I think that was the right move. And then um, what do you reckon about Bolt bowling the last over? Like bowling the super over? I guess- is there an I, I would have- an look, option? It, it, In hindsight, I might, I might have bowled Henry. Yeah. You're not bowling DeGron home. I know he goes for... <laughs> no, but although not. there is an argument for him in the sense he, it's it's harder to hit the ball. Like he's, he's coming with less pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on those boundaries, on those... That that wicket, it's a smaller ground. Yeah. It's not as difficult to... Do you think he's a new ball? 
Or is it like, is it like old? Is they use, I don't know what they do. I don't know what ball they use. It can't, would it be a new ball? Surely not. Or is it the ball that they use for the 50 overs? Maybe, maybe it's the ball they use for the 50 overs. Because that's another argument yeah. against a grand home because he was bowling earlier in the day when the ball was swinging. I don't think it's a new ball. I don't think so. It doesn't look like a new ball. It doesn't yeah. look like it swings or anything. Because then you'd have like... It's a good, it's a good question. Because then you'd have Bolt hooping it. Like, so surely not, surely Better not. But ask Dharmasena. <laughs> yeah, you ask Wilma. But yeah, like Bolty... I think actually it was the right decision at the time because if you're Kane Williamson, you're like, okay, Bolt hasn't bowled great for me today, but he's still my number one bowler. Yes. He's an experienced campaigner. He's played so much 2020 cricket, bowled at the death. I'm going to have to back him here. If we lose, I lost using my best player. Exactly, exactly. Whereas if he chooses it with Matt Henry and Matt Henry goes for like 20. It's like, why do you, you had the best 2020 bowler? Like for, for yeah. you, yeah, yeah, 100%. So I think yeah. like- I like That's was, a good point. That's I, a good point. So I think like in Kane's defense, like like I don't think I would have made a different decision if the I was The ball came up really small. <laughs> I mean, in the scheme of things, it's it, it was a yeah. disappointing performance it's from, a, from, from your player. leading- Big gun player. Like GD McGrath wouldn't have put in that performance. No. no. Um, <laughs> like, so, yeah, no, nah, it was. And like he missed that super over, they hit 15 off him. He keeps missing the Yorker. Yeah. He keeps missing it. And they just, and like Butler hits him, I think, for one, like in the last ball went for a boundary. I can't remember what happened to the other deliveries. But like, I, I just remember watching that super over and being like, surely he'll okay yeah maybe not every ball is going to be a a perfect yorker but surely like three out of six i'm backing you here yeah and he just he couldn't he couldn't execute and then you have the new zealand super over yeah look nisham hits a good six great six off jofra but there's almost an argument did they need could they have played someone instead of guptal yeah i I don't like the guptal decision see so actually kane was going to go out so they're in the change room at Lords, and obviously the England Super over. Sorry, England Super over happens, and then they go back to the um, to the boundary edge. And Kane was going was padding up with Guptal, and then he realizes that Joffre is going to be bowling from the end, where a left hander will be hitting to the short side on the on side. So he's like, "Oh wait, maybe I should bat a left hander." So get a left hand right hand combination. So, which is what England did as well. They went left-hand, right-hand combination. And Butler gets hit to the short side when England were batting. So he puts Nisham in instead of himself. But I think, I agree. Guptil couldn't hit the ball off the square that tournament. But I think the mentality was they knew Joffre was bowling. Guptil, he scored 19. Mm. But he took it to Joffre in the early stages, including the six over third man. So I wonder whether they thought, okay, Jofra's bowling, so we'll put Guptil in. But I agree, like, I would have gone Nisham and... I reckon, like, like why does it have to be left-hand, right-hand? Like, they could have gone... Tom Is Tom Latham an indie choice? Yeah. Like, he got 47 or 56. Like, he was the most fluent. It's also end. tough Ross, in the sense, England just batted, and then they do the super over and they bat first. Yeah. It's... It's tough for someone like Gupta who who bats at the start of the day. He bats at like ten thirty in the morning, and then yeah, he's, yeah. they're telling him you've got six balls. You need to hit every ball for know, three or four. And he hasn't. He ha- and he's not in the best mindset mentally because he hasn't scored any runs. Yeah. It's 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 tough. Like I don't know. Maybe Roscoe, like Ross Taylor, can hit a long ball on his day. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's they. I think it just goes to your point. Like they didn't have the same batting depth as England. 
Yeah. Whereas like England would have been like, okay, great, we've got Stokes and Butler, but even if we don't have them, we have Jason Roy, you know, we yeah. have Owen Morgan. Like we, you know, they they, they had other options if, yeah. even if they didn't have uh, Stokes and Butler. But, uh, and then Jofra, Owen apparently, um, like Owen Morgan didn't s- t- say who was going to bowl. And then um, Jofra, like, um, but like apparently Jofra was like warming up on the boundary, <laughs> uh, like bowling. And he comes back to the change room. Owen hasn't said anything, Owen Morgan. And then he just like looks at Jofra and Jofra is like, is it me? And Owen Morgan's like, yep. And then it's like, it's actually, mate, the, the, the captaincy of, it's like so good to like get an insight yeah. into um, how these guys captain, right? So uh, off, Archer's buying the nation. First balls are wide. Um, and then like Morgan moves him. So Morgan was in the covers. He then moves himself to mid off because he realizes he needs to be the one talking to the bowler at the end of every ball to keep him focused. So he's like, Jofra, whatever it's happened, move on after the wide. And he keeps telling Jofra, what's your best ball? What's your best ball? And Jofra keeps going, Yorker, Yorker, Yorker. And so every ball is, he tries to pitch it up. He gets hit by Nation for six, one of those deliveries. And it ends up getting down to three off two, yeah. if you remember. And um, Morgan at this stage is like, okay, I can't. Morgan at this stage is thinking we need a wicket. So he then changes tact and goes to Jofra, what's your best wicket taking ball? And Jofra goes, bouncer, which is bloody high risk very <laughs> three off two right bowls a bouncer they only get a single and he gets guppled on strike and then mm. two off one you're like maybe like especially because you know New Zealand need both runs yeah you're like may- actually maybe this is like more it's, it's like 50-50 like maybe slightly towards England I don't know yeah because Guptil can't hit the ball off the square but uh, not can't hit the ball off the square but he struggled historically in and the then he bowls his best ball yeah, he bowls a good Yorker. Yeah, he follows Guptil. Yeah. Because Guptil, I think he does the right thing, gives himself a little bit of room. Because if Jofra bowls on the stumps and he can hit him over the yep. offside, but Jofra does really well. Yeah, and, to be honest. And Jason Roy. Jason Roy deserves a rap. If that's park cricket, they're definitely getting both runs. Oh, 100. And, and, and um, <laughs> like, Butler, you know, like runs ahead. He's in yes. front of the stumps, yeah. takes it because he just doesn't want to give Guptil any chance of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, look, the throw was good. Good throw. And that was key because if it's another fielder and there's a slight misfield. Oh, if, it's a, it's, if there's a fumble, Guptill yeah. probably makes it and New Zealand yeah. win the World Cup. Uh, and Roy had fumbled one earlier in the day. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the over, maybe. Actually, I can't remember. But there was a, there was a fumble. Uh, uh, I think it was earlier in the over and they got two. So, like, nah, Roy, Roy did well under pressure. It was, it was awesome. Good stuff. And would you believe that it was the first time, obviously we know this, the Super Over was used to determine the winner of a one-day tournament. Yeah. And I think they changed the rule after after that, which was they removed the boundary rule, had a lot of criticism. Yeah. And the other point was England became the third team in succession to win the World Cup at home. Oh, yeah, after India and Australia. India yeah, and Australia. Yeah, yeah. And so it just it continued that. It would have been 2023, but Australia. No, nah, it's, but I, it, yeah, it's good because you don't want the home team winning every time. Then yeah. then that becomes an issue, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, look, I don't know. I feel like, yes, England probably, I think Warney said it best at the end. Warney said uh, on, he was commentating for Sky that World Cup. And I, I watched the post-match and everything because I'm like, bro, this is a yeah. lip fine. Oh, I remember like, so I was watching this live, right? It was like, but it's like late afternoon, early evening in London. And 
I'm an absolute agony because I'm going for New Zealand, right? Yeah. And I'm just like shouting at the TV. Um, my wife thinks I've absolutely lost it. It's been a bad day for me because Federer lost and um, New Zealand have lost. And I'm just like, what is this? And, I'm, and then I'm like, hang on. Why am I, why am I angry? It's a tie. And yeah. I, cause I, cause they hadn't commute. They, all they'd said is New Zealand needs 16 to win the world cup, but yeah. they hadn't communicated why they need 16. This is on the TV. Right. Yeah. And then something comes up on the TV, explaining the boundary countback rule. I'm like, what is the, really what good. is this rule? I've never heard of it before. And um, I don't know. I just felt really sorry for New Zealand. Like they look, they looked absolutely dejected. They did. Like it's heartbreaking. I, I, I can't imagine losing. I would be like, I would be enraged for days yeah. if I lost a game like that. This is the moment. It's Archer to Guptill. Two to win. Guptill's going to push for two. They've got to go. It's got to throw. It's got to go to the keeper's end. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. By the barest of all margins. Absolute ecstasy for England. Agony. Agony for New Zealand. So I want to finish with this. So we, I, I was thinking about uh, an embrace debate topic, but rather than doing that, I want to focus on what's going on in the world of cricket. Yeah, and, sure. Um, I know we're both interested in, in what's happening of late. So mm. let's. I just want to spend a bit of time with you talking about some of the current cricket events because I feel like the, the topic about the survival of test cricket while we sometimes talk about it and we, you know, we project about what we think will happen to test cricket in a few years, I feel like it's happening now. Yeah, yeah. And it's mo. It's the the best way to describe it is what we've seen in this um, upcoming tour of New Zealand and the South the South African New Zealand Test series, yeah. which uh, has created a lot of news because the team that South Africa's picked to go to New Zealand is a. To be fair, it's it's a great cricket team it's, in, in it's, Australian terms. It's like terms. their fourth eleven, pretty much. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty ordinary. It's like give give background. Like Test cricket's the pinnacle. Well, countries say Test cricket is the pinnacle, and so theoretically, like you should always be playing your best eleven for Test cricket. And uh, what South Africa's done is they yeah, as Dill said, they've sent this um, this uh, fourth eleven, like this very average team because it clashes with their domestic or their franchise 2020 competition in south africa which is a huge competition for them financially it's like backed by a lot of ipl franchises they get players from all around the world i actually haven't watched a game of the crowds packed i assume so i've taken no interest in that (laughs) other than seeing that each uh, south african team's last name is the IPL franchise's <laughs> last name. So you have, it's like you super Kings. You have, oh my gosh. Yeah. All of that. Like okay. your Royals. Oh and, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. All right. And just that point about the importance of it, the South African prep, like the South African cricket association have, mm. have routinely stated that test cricket is making them go bankrupt. That the only way in which they can get money is, is by tournament. playing these tournaments. No, I appreciate their position. Like, it's very easy in Australia to be like, "Oh, how could they do this?" But like, um, like obviously, you need money to run the game in South Africa, um, in any country. Sorry, and this is a very lucrative tournament for them. They've invested a lot of money into it. <clears throat> it's potentially, I think they started it last year, mm-hmm. so it'll take a few seasons before they kind of uh, get a profit. Because I think like now they it's kind of uh earning money to i guess repay the investors i suppose uh, for lack of a better phrase um 
but eventually it'll be a, the idea is it'll be a lucrative tournament there'll be a lot more money for cricket south africa so they'll be able to compensate their domestic players better and hopefully their international players better um and the idea being that in the long term yes this will benefit test cricket because we will play, pay our domestic players better our international players better and we will keep them in south africa and we will have a strong team but the problem is is that like in the short to medium term uh test cricket is struggling in south africa because as you said every time they hold a test they lose money so pretty much the cost of hosting a test match or uh, you know whether it's like crowds you know paying the players whatever uh, outweighs the profits they get from um you know uh, holding that game and so which is why they have asked for two test series for the next two years pretty much um but well what they should have done is they should have tried to not hold the test series at the same time yeah uh, i think they tried to deal with that but they they couldn't because of the schedule which is another issue like there's too much cricket anyway yeah but because of the the schedule they couldn't organize the test series for another time of the year or another time in the cycle but like india came to south africa yeah just before this 2020 tournament and they only played two tests and it was a great series it was a great series finishes one or and it's leaves stupid. the whole crowd unsatisfied the i whole- mean uh, it should be every test series should be minimum three tests the de- devil's advocate will say virosh that's a um that's a very idealistic view uh, because financially, a lot of countries can't hold three test series. I say, yes, valid point. But this is where you take series like the Ashes, Australia, India, England, India, which bring in a heap of money. And you say, let's take a little bit of that money and put it towards, the, you know, for lack of a better phrase, the, the series which don't bring in as much money. And then maybe you can like help bridge that, that financial gap. I don't know. Possible or not possible? I just find it difficult to, I, I find it difficult seeing how a country like Australia can afford to sponsor or fund these other nations. Like South Africa has got a very, South Africa would have a similar population to Australia, wouldn't it? Bigger, 60, it's close to 60 million. 60 million. Yeah, uh, West Indies is a collection of countries. Yeah, very small. Yeah. Um, yeah. New Zealand are yeah. younger brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there is a lot of commentary that, India as the juggernaut of cricket and yep. the the basically the f- financial bank mm. for a lot of cricket because I think when India goes to a country and they tour they milk they, that's when the team country makes like money. South Africa, I'm surprised they couldn't play three tests. Like I, used, I'm surprised South Africa couldn't. They would not have returned a profit with India playing there. Exactly, and mm. so I, I'm, I'm starting to get a bit fearful because I think we both you and I we live in an insulated country that yeah. loves test cricket yeah, and will not lose its love for yeah. test cricket. We have the Big Bash, mm. but I think a lot of us cricket fans will say, yeah, Big Bash is good, yeah. but we're looking forward to the Australian the test summer. test series, 100%. And yeah. when Cummins comes out and he says, oh, yeah, it's test cricket still the king. Yeah, yeah. You, you, that's that reflects how the Australian public views cricket as but well. But also the compensation of the players. Compensation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Australian players are played Good money. Yeah. Australia, let's, a yeah. lot of them are almost a mil. Oh, mate. A million. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. I, I was looking at something the other day. I think most of them are getting around a million, like would be around the million Oz mark. Yeah. Uh, and half of these guys are buying properties in the eastern suburbs, which professionals 
uh, they're doing well can, can can never dream of owning a property out there so like they they're doing very well and the australian players if they want to can also play in the ipl yeah. because they don't play much cricket in that in that window in that window yeah, yeah. so it's, it's fine for australia india India do whatever India wants to do, yeah, yeah. and as well, if they keep enjoying Test cricket, they will. They will. Yeah. It'll help a lot of other countries. Yeah. But you have a situation where you have. We're, we're now speaking. It's the twentieth of January. We have. Um, I don't know when this will be released. I'm going to say it's early February. Yeah. But we, as we're recording, West Indies are in Australia, mm. and they've just been crushed yeah. in that first test. And the West Indies plight has been going on for a lot longer than what's happened to South Africa. Yeah. But the pay for someone like for the West Indies, I mean, if you just listen to the commentary during during the match, everyone would say anytime a player played well for the West Indies, it was, how do we keep this guy in test cricket? Yeah, like, what are we going to do? This guy's going to just now join an IPL franchise. Mm. Shamar Joseph, he's, he's going to now, how do we keep him in test cricket? And the problem West Indies have is, they pay their players a lot less because they can't lot afford less. to. They can't afford, yeah. And it means those players are incentivized to just play in 2020 competitions yeah. to survive or to make money. Yeah, 100%. And you can't begrudge the players. Like, you know, they yeah, they, they have a small window to earn money for the rest of their lives. Uh, so they're obviously going to take the opportunity, which gives them the biggest financial rewards. Um, well, yeah, this, this is where like, you know, Australia, this age, this happened a while ago, but... I don't know the details, but Australia, England, and India essentially voted for a composition of the ICC, which gave those three countries significantly more power or voting or whatever. Like, I, I actually don't know the details. I, I don't know what constitution says or whatever, but, and the power of the other countries was diluted, essentially. Um, now, okay, I didn't agree with that at the time, but it's happened. But now I feel like, England, India, and Australia have a responsibility as custodians of the game to look after the other countries. Now, they may not do that, but I think that that's the only way that you're going to help Test cricket survive in these other countries. You have to you have to help them out because if you don't help them out, then Test cricket will be played by three countries. We need more well-rounded countries coming to Australia, touring Australia, having a go. I don't know whether that means creating two tiers of Test cricket. No, That's no. because then that creates an issue where the tier two nations are playing Test cricket in front of nobody because nobody yeah. wants to watch, watch tier two. a New Zealand versus West Indies <laughs> match in Barbados. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They, they already they stuff the ICC stuff some things up. Like, uh, no offense to Africa. Well, I mean. It was, whenever someone says no offense, they're going to offend you. But um, but, but uh, pretty much Afghanistan and Ireland being given test status, joke. Absolute joke. How? And then they play one test a year or some nonsense like that or two tests. Like, yeah. how can you give uh, how can you give a country test playing status and then they don't play test cricket? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And then I don't know if Zimbabwe have test status anymore, but they shouldn't if they do. I haven't heard from Zimbabwe. <laughs> Zimbabwe, are they still playing? I haven't received a phone call from Zimbabwe. That was going on. Um, so they should just keep it to those nine countries. That's the first thing. I don't know if there's like money associated with making a country a test playing nation. Probably is. I don't know. Like, so that's the first thing. Cut that. And then, um, I don't know. I, I, I still think the three test series and everyone should play like a min. They should be like, if South Africa are like, we want to play two tests. You're like, no. We won't play any test cricket in your SA20, T20 window, but you have to play three test series, um, kind of take it or leave it. I don't think South Africa would leave it. They would be like, no, we need to play 
um, international cricket because they have experienced what isolation is like during the apartheid re- the regime. Exactly. So I don't think they want to go back to that to that uh, time. So I don't know. I feel like they've got to be a bit a bit more strict. The the one another disappointment in all of this is Bangladesh. They're a big disappointment because they got a massive population. Cricket's their number one sport. Um, the ICC have pumped in heaps of money into Bangladesh. They're actually, one of the richest cricket boards in the cricketing world they're like obviously not like the big three but they got more money than sri lanka which is not difficult more money than the west indies probably more money than south africa probably, so probably close to pakistan yeah probably they're probably in that vicinity and like i don't know why they're so weak still what shocks me is i get india as a juggernaut but pakistan has 300 million people yeah, or 200 something, isn't it? Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Bangladesh yeah. has a lot of people. Like 160 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the diff? Like, why are we seeing <laughs> such a yeah. gap in the financial power? It's, it, it, to me, if I'm just as a layman, I, I would say there is a lot of potential there for, for money yeah, to be yeah. generated in that game. 100%. People watch. Yeah. People in Pakistan watch. Why yeah. is that not converting to money? So that's, that's, I agree with you there. Mm. Um, and, I just, but I don't know how to incentivize weaker test playing nations to value a three test match series or to, mm. it's just hard. I mean, I think the the first step is getting rid of bilateral ODI series. Oh yeah, 100%. For example, West yeah. Indies in Australia, no they cares. should not be playing an no ODI series. No one cares about it's, that series. It, it, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, revenue yeah. generating. Nobody in the Australian public cares <laughs> anymore. We used to care about those tri-nation, triangular oh, series. I love those. Why did they get rid of those? But that man? was a tournament. So we cared yeah, about it. I know. It was great. And then it was like, you. And then it was like, oh, if so-and-so beats so-and-so, they make the final. Like, it's interesting. Exactly. Yeah, I don't but know um, they need to get rid of that. And that might ease the calendar. There's, there's something wrong here. I, I don't know whether in all cases financially driven. Um, I, I feel like the big three, it is their responsibility given the reform in the governance structure. It is their responsibility to look after the other nations. It's their response. I'm not saying England did a good job when they were in charge or, or Australia when England and Australia were the premier teams. I'm not saying that they did a good job and that they looked after India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka. They probably, they, I don't think they did. But that doesn't mean that the the top nations now shouldn't play more of a kind of custodial role. We cannot have a situation where Sri Lanka, West Indies, New Zealand, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Pakistan, or South, now South Africa. So yeah. I've just named six countries. I know. We yeah. cannot have a situation with when those six countries play Test cricket. People say, "Oh, what's the point?" <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That will kill the game. It will kill the game. I can't believe South Africa, given that they were the number one test team less than a decade ago, or maybe a decade ago, um, are in this position with, with respect to test cricket. We cannot have a situation where it is the third test between Australia and Pakistan and Shaheen Afridi is being saying, I need to rest because I've got a seven match 2020 series <laughs> that I'm the skipper of. I don't know, but like this is that it goes back to my like when we spoke earlier, like these bilateral 2020 series nonsense. Like maybe it brings money, maybe that's why. But like, surely Pakistani, like people sitting in Pakistan are like, you'll be more renowned if you put in a very good performance in a test match in Australia yeah. than a than a 2020 match in New Zealand. Surely, but it's not showing in their finance in their bank bank statements. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I, there's, there's some, there's, there is, there's some issue here that needs to be addressed. There's the, the fine, like, I don't know how it works financially, but like something needs to be done to protect kind of three test match series. So I think Virosh, what we're going to do is we'll, 
when we end it here, we're going to be speaking again in three months. And hopefully we're, we're speaking with a bit more optimism. Yeah, look, it's pretty depressing when it ends. Eh? Like I was, you know, okay, it's, a, it's a sunny day in Sydney. You know, I, was, I started with my Dremoyne Oval story. And we're talking about a World Cup final. We're talking about a Cup. And then we've ended on a... Depressing note. But like it's over. It's the, sign it's over. Of, the sign of the times for Test cricket. But um, yeah, yeah. Virus, love doing this with you. Mate, pleasure as always. Um, I've I've already told Viros that the next one I do with him, it's we're going to be looking further back. I want to explore a late '80s or early '90s Ooh, um, so, test cricket with you because that's that's the Halcyon days. Oh, mate! So get the Roy Belinda um, YouTube yeah. videos out. Everyone, his, his channel got removed. Oh yeah, because apparently someone in Bangladesh complained or yeah, something. And, and yeah. they. Uh, he will have a, I think he's got Robelinda Then he had Robelinda 2 Yeah right Now okay. he'll probably come up With Robelinda 3 Yeah but, Dude I love yeah. Robelinda Like he I don't know how He had so many recordings But like I watched Like World Series Cricket like And um, he's got some views You can tell yeah, like, yeah yeah His uh, captions for certain things He's got firm views On certain players Man. But um, he's <laughs> He has kept Test cricket alive Man, <laughs> I should ask him What his Man, views are You should are. get Robelinda on <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Viros, great to see you again. Yeah, same here, bud. And yeah. uh, I think we did it justice. Yeah, look, it was, it was a great final, um, the 2019 final. We kind of spoke about a range of things, but I, in my opinion, greatest ODI of all time. And wow. uh, the, I think the game, like it swung from one side to the other, particularly in that, in that uh, second innings. And uh, it was incredible to watch live. And um, it was like euphoric chaos when uh, when england won so and happy for the english they probably deserved it but uh you know you can't help but feel sorry for the kiwis great way to sum it up thanks very much right, cheers mate <laughs>